This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, October 7th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. The president has pledged to pardon everyone federally convicted of simple possession of cannabis, urged governors to do the same with respect to state laws, and ordered a review of the classification of cannabis under the Federal Controlled Substances Act. It's hard to overstate just how long this has been in coming. Cato's Trevor Burris discusses the law, politics, and history of this move. There are a number of components here, and I want to take each of them in turn. First is the pardons. Do you have a sense of how large that is in terms of of numbers? Because these are people who have been federally convicted of simple possession, which, as far as I could tell, doesn't sound like very many people. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty low number. But I mean, let's not let's be honest though, this is a big deal, like symbolically, if nothing else. But the number itself, very, very few people are convicted under federal law of just possession. Most people who are convicted of possession of any drug are convicted under state law. To get convicted under federal law, you'd have to be doing it in like a national park uh, or maybe in the District of Columbia where the federal law controls. But so the very, very few, I think the number is about 6,700 which would be one of the largest mass pardons in history. But none of these people are currently in prison. It seems like none of them are. Uh, So they'll get their record expunged, which, of course, is great. And, of course, that's not nothing. That could uh, impact people's employment prospects uh, and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a big deal for those people, and I'm, I'm very happy for them. They should never have had this conviction in the first place. We should never have prohibited marijuana in the first place. So, so the size there, now, it doesn't apply to the dealers. Uh, which is about 2,700 people. Again, we have about 200,000 federal prisoners. You know, everyone knows that there's we have this huge prison population of about 2 million people, but almost all of them, you know, 90% of them are in state prison. If you are in federal prison for a drug offense, it's probably because you were a heavy drug trafficker. Um, and, and so those people are not getting any relief whatsoever. Uh, which is very on par for Biden, who's been wishy-washy about marijuana even today, like even in recent years. He obviously was, you know, in the 80s when everyone was, you know, about going after marijuana and people who smoke marijuana. But he's still been pretty boomery, wishy-washy about marijuana. So, you know, it's good It's good to hear this coming from him. Uh, and I think it's such a major move that hopefully we'll see state governors follow suit as he asked them to. Well, you say wishy-washy on marijuana, but of course, drug Joe Biden was one of the most ardent drug warriors into the 2000s yes. in the U.S. Senate. That's a better way of putting it. Uh, but even, I mean, he's so he's been he was ardently drug warrior in, in for most of his career. But even in the last five years, you know, you ask about marijuana and he'll say, well, you know, we have to fix this stuff and you probably shouldn't smoke and, you know, be a little bit, you know, saying we need to rectify, but maybe not fully legalize. It's sort of on and off. That's what I made by wishy-washy. And so uh, the president, with respect to the Controlled Substances Act, what is his authority uh, to either reschedule or deschedule marijuana? He's ordered a review of uh, where marijuana is placed on the same level of drug enforcement as heroin uh, and uh, other drugs. Yeah, so his this is a very good thing. This is the biggest thing, actually. The pardons will get 
the the biggest story, and that's that's fine. But we will see what happens after the Secretary of HHS reviews the scheduling of marijuana. Now, under the Controlled Substances Act, the president is allowed to direct the Secretary of Health and Human Services now. Originally, it was Health, Education, and Welfare, allowed to direct them to consider or reconsider where a drug is scheduled. Now, that's usually done to schedule a drug higher, like in so-called emergency schedulings for things like bath salts, when we had the bath salt scare, for example. Uh, but you can also say, review this and determine whether or not it should be in Schedule 1 or any schedule. And one of the characteristics of Schedule 1 drugs is they are acknowledged to have no valid medical uses. And this, of course, is a farce. We've known it's a farce for a long time. Even the federal government has known it's a farce. Mar marijuana clearly has medical uses. Um, we've had people who, you know, were given the right by courts to smoke marijuana, like because they needed to, needed it for their glaucoma uh, in the seventies. Uh, so this this has been known forever. Everyone knows it. It's a farce that we have marijuana as a Schedule One drug with no acknowledged medical uses. Now the details going forward, how the secretary looks at it, whether or not they consider marijuana itself the whole plant as a drug is going to be the hang up on this. And I'm, I'm sure I'll be commenting in whatever, six months, whenever this actually comes out, because you know, there's no rule, there's just a directing for the secretary to do this and whether or not they're willing to say that the whole plant of marijuana has medical uses rather than some THC single molecule kind of pill, right? And that's the big question because the, the FDA will never ever say that marijuana as a whole plant has medical uses because they just will not acknowledge a smoking a plant with 500 active substances in it to be medicine any more than chicken soup is medicine. They would never approve chicken soup to be medicine or marijuana as a whole. And of course, we have all these varietals in marijuana too on top of that. So but it's a big deal. And for for a very long time, the at different times in the past and to the, to this day still, HHS and the, the National Institute of Drug Abuse have blocked beneficial research into marijuana via funding or not even allowing access to the the federal marijuana farm at Mississippi State University. Like so they've blocked it. So it's even been hard to make the case that marijuana has beneficial uses because they're blocking research into it. So all these things could will hopefully start changing. Uh we we tried to change it under the bomb administration and it didn't really change. So some of these things hopefully will start changing. Uh you mentioned uh the fact that research is so difficult to conduct on uh, schedule one drugs where uh, cannabis is scheduled. Um, but I want to go back in time a little bit. The 2018 Farm Bill, which, as far as I can recall, legalized most of the cannabis plant, with the exception of plants that contain more than a certain percentage of THC, Delta 9 THC. Yes, and it did. And we had the hemp, and that's why you're seeing this proliferation of Delta 8 THC in various stores, but you're also seeing various crackdowns on it. It's still unclear how that law actually works. Again, it's sort of the messiness of marijuana and all the components inside of it, right? This is a very rich plant with a lot of things happening inside of it. And so trying to parse those out has been difficult. Uh, you mentioned pardons. We talked about pardons, but uh, the president has also directed governors to the extent that he can direct Asked, it's more of yeah. a polite more of a polite request of governors to review uh people there in those state prisons therefore uh simple possession again that doesn't sound like a lot of people now of course states imprison the most so 
we would expect it to be more. Is there any sense of how large that population might be? Uh, it's not huge like it used to be. We, we we have different numbers. There's a lot of people under criminal justice supervision, like probation for simple possession under state law. Actual imprisonment is is thankfully rare. It used to be quite common. Many states have like 10-year minimums you know, from the 50s if you just were caught with a joint. That's not terribly common anymore. So probation and those kind of things is mostly what state supervisions, criminal justice supervision of marijuana users but I think the governor, the asking the governors is a big deal just because of politics. I've been scratching my head and a lot of people for years wondering why we can't fix federal marijuana prohibition, which is causing huge amounts of problems for many industries, banks, for example. And we've talked about that before. Why can't we fix it when 68% of Americans, at least the last poll I saw, are in favor of marijuana legalization? This should be a thing that, that, politicians wanting to win an election are entirely down for, you know, saying, hey, look what I did. But at the same time, the way Congress works today, the rule is never take a hard vote for those members who might lose their seats. And if it seems like things are going well in the states that have legalized recreationally and medically, then, you know, why why take a hard vote? I think Biden's coming out, though, and saying this is going to be for election purposes. I think the reason it came out here uh, was, you know, not coincidental, nothing nothing before a midterm. And then the Democrat governors and maybe some Republican governors, but I don't, probably not, but the Democrat governors will start falling in line and saying, I'm doing this too, I'm doing this too. What I hope, and actually what I predict, is sort of a wave of this, you know, maybe 10, 15 states doing the same thing as Biden announcing their review this and hopefully, you know, a good surge. I mean, not, not, I don't care who wins in the midterms, but hopefully they get some feedback from the voters to say, keep doing this. Right. And, and then that feedback can go to the other party, too, and said, keep doing this. Keep trying to fix this failed and insane war on marijuana that we've been doing for 85 years. Uh, and, you know, as as politics goes, you look at polling on cannabis legalization, either for medical purposes or recreational purposes, it cuts across party lines. And uh, I guess as a political matter, you would think that uh, perhaps the biggest holdout on uh, cannabis issues are Republican primary voters. Yes. Well, and primary voters are weird across the board. What The way that cannabis legalization cuts actually is by age. So like older people and whatever the party, I mean, it's not split equally, but they tend to be the ones who are skeptical of it. But even then, it's over 50%, uh, you know, depending on what age where you put the cutoff, which is astounding. Again, this is this is such a change that we have to be, this is sort of like gay marriage or something where in, you know, our lifetimes, Caleb, we've seen marijuana go from, you know, the demon weed uh, that we, there's a great clip of, you can find on YouTube of Ron Paul being screamed at in 1988 for saying we should legalize marijuana to where we are today, uh, where people are saying, what's the big deal, right? And we're starting to see some new prohibitionists come back in and, and certain Republicans saying, oh, you know, it's not going well in these states. And we're, we're going to have to deal with that because there are consequences of legalizing a drug. There are negative consequences, just like alcohol. But hopefully we've matured enough to say it is better to deal with the negative consequences of legalizing a drug than to prohibit the drug entirely uh, and have the consequences of prohibition, which are, of course, horrendous. Assuming uh, President Biden moves ahead with rescheduling uh, cannabis, that makes a couple of things easier because uh, rescheduling would by necessi necessarily mean that he's lowering it in terms of enforcement priorities. Um, and 
a lot of states follow the federal example when it comes to crafting their own state laws. And I think even in red states where cannabis is still, uh, for the most part, illegal uh, with with exceptions, with medical exceptions, uh, that states would be provided with cover to go ahead and move ahead with reducing pe- further reducing penalties with uh, considering legalization. I agree. Uh, again, it's it's all the politics of, of the optics here. And there's always been this idea that one of the reasons you prohibit a drug is to indicate to people the, you know, the fact that society doesn't like this and think it's bad, right? And so if people are saying, you know, this is not what we need to be doing now, uh, we need to, you know, open it up and legalize. And it doesn't mean we condone necessarily. You shouldn't be abusing the drug, whatever, but like, it's okay to do this. And I think that that indication works in the other way, right? If if prohibition is supposed to indicate it's bad, then federal relaxing a prohibition should be an indicator, as you said, Caleb, to the states that, you know, this is okay, and hopefully, again, the elections will show that no one's going to like lose their seat because of this, whether it's a governor in a state or a politician at the federal level. And then we can actually get meaningful reform uh, or just deschedule the thing entirely because it never should have been scheduled in the first place. I, I, I have an op-ed coming out about, you know, even when marijuana was put in the Controlled Substances Act in Schedule 1 in 1970, it was provisionally put there because there were even suspicions at the time that it was overscheduled. It would be overscheduled that it had medical uses and it wasn't that dangerous. And so part of the act said we're going to set up a commission to study how marijuana should be scheduled. And that commission, which is called the Schaefer Commission, came up with a recommendation that it should be decriminalized entirely and regulated like alcohol. And Nixon just ignored it. Uh, for various Nixonian reasons and and of the time. So, I mean, the government has known this forever. In 1988, the administrative law judge, Francis Young, of the DEA, ruled after a hearing that marijuana should be no higher than Schedule II and that it was clearly a safe drug with medicinal uses, overruled by the DEA administrator, John Lon. So this, this is not a secret. It's just, it's a farce, and it's good to finally start looking it in the face and say, yeah, we should never have done this in the first place, and we have a lot of sins to atone for. There are other restrictions that go along with uh, possessing marijuana, most notably for uh, people on the right, guns. Oh, yeah. We, we Actually, I just filed a brief recently in a challenge to this qu- question of unlawful users of illicit substances under the Controlled Substances Act, that's the word in the, in the statute, are prohibited from having a gun, holding a gun, buying a gun. What an unlawful user is? Well... <laughs> That's a big question because it doesn't define, does it mean you smoke marijuana once? Uh, does it mean that, I mean, it's again, it's every drug in the Controlled Substances Act. So Xanax is in the Controlled Substances Act. So if you ever, theoretically, if you ever asked your friend who has a prescription for Xanax to to take one because you were nervous on a flight or something, or prescription sleeping pills, you are also an unlawful user under the Controlled Substances Act. And therefore, maybe technically you are not allowed to possess a gun or even hold a, a bullet. This is a huge problem in the states that have legalized marijuana because you're asked whether or not you're a user of controlled substances on the form you fill out for the background check when you buy a gun from a federal firearm licensee. And you can either, you have two choices. If you smoke legal weed in the state of Colorado, you can either lie on that form and say, I don't smoke it, which is itself a felony of up to five years in prison, or you can say you do and then not get a gun. I mean, like that will just 
kill your application to begin with. So this has been a huge problem. There are tons of people in all the legalized states. And again, let me be clear, it doesn't matter federally recreational legalized states or medically legalized states. Both are equally illegal under federal law. Remember that marijuana has no recognized medical uses under federal law. And so even a medical marijuana user in a state that has authorized medical marijuana who has a gun is violating federal law, at least on its face. So this is a huge issue, and hopefully the Supreme Court will take this case. I'm a little bit skeptical because they just took a major gun case, and I'm not sure they want to take another gun case, even though it's not really a gun case. It's a drug use case, but we'll see. Uh, there And there is legislation that would essentially carve out for people who are have cannabis in medically legal states with a doctor's note uh, that those people would retain their Second Amendment rights. There is. And and then that runs headlong into the political winds of like any Democrat who is going to be accused by a primary, another Democrat or of of voting for more gun rights. Right. That that would be the biggest problem there. Even though we're saying, you know, maybe I don't like guns, but you shouldn't be put in jail because you use marijuana. But still, a primary to Democrat is going to be attacked for saying they voted to give guns to drug users, right? And that's probably the biggest reason that wouldn't pass. And what's the timeline for this look like roughly? I mean, is it's obviously whatever uh, evaluation comes out of HHS, it will come after the midterm elections. Uh, six months? I give it about six months. Um, I mean, it shouldn't take that long, but they have to go through the proper rulemaking motions, you know, and make sure it's it's done well. But again, we we could even refile all the pages that were filed with the DEA in 1988 when Francis Young, I mean, there were hundreds of thousands of pages demonstrated that had medical uses. Just, you know, refile that and say, all right, you can just do this quickly. But it, it won't happen quickly. I give it six months, definitely after the midterms. Trevor Burris is editor of the Cato Institute's Supreme Court Review, the new edition of which is available now. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.